Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. This week is the final week of our RAIN series that we've been doing in worship. And RAIN, for those of you who haven't been joining us on this journey, is a practice of mindfulness developed by Tara Brock, who is a Buddhist meditation teacher and psychologist. And RAIN is a practice by which we can center ourselves, we can come into stillness no matter what we're experiencing in the outer world and really cultivate a sense of self-compassion. And it's an acronym, so this is how you can remember it. R stands for recognize, A stands for allow, I for investigate, and this week we are settling into the final step of nurture. So when we come together like this, whether you are with us in real time or watching us later, part of what we do is recognize all that we are bringing with us into this space. So what's happening in the world, in our country, in our very own backyard, we bring with us into this space. And we allow ourselves to bring it all here and to investigate together how we might be able to hold that weight differently. And so we take all of our hurt and our anger and the fear that we might be feeling in the midst of all that is going on. And there is a lot going on, the freedom convoy, the news from the Alberta government, the ever-changing way of life and our life that just keeps on happening in the midst of all of it. And we bring that here to hold it together and to hold it with God. And we call that worship. We call that liturgy, if we want a new vocab word for the day. And liturgy simply means the work of the people. And so today, in the face of all that is, we come together to find nurture amongst our people. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, you are those people. So today's worship, it might have a bit of a different flow to it, And we invite you, despite the fact it might not be what you're used to, we invite you to allow it to nurture you. We'll be hearing from six different voices this morning, all about what nurtures them and what or how that practice helps them live out nurture in the world outside of this place. We'll hear from William Brooke, the leader of our contemplative ministries. We'll hear from Lori Fallis, a congregant and our lay music advisor. We'll hear from Jaden Bryant, one of our Hillhurst youth, who's a high school senior this year. It's a big deal. We'll hear from Jolta Detus, one of our lay leaders and member of worship planning, Clorinda Bryant, a congregant nurse and the mother to Jaden. And we'll hear from Robin Kidd, our lead of congregational care, retired teacher, and as I learned this week, a deliverer of fabulous cookies. So I invite you to again, just adopt a spirit of receiving this morning. Allow yourself to be nurtured. And let us now join together in worship. Good morning. Um, Given the chance, I might well choose to live my life inside my head. I buy more books than I can ever read. I have so many books going on at once, stacked on my bedside table and littered throughout my house that I lose track of what I'm reading. 
Uh, there's always another podcast, another news story, Twitter, Facebook. It's a world full of delicious information, and I am insatiable. Left to my own devices, I will be plugged into something, reading something, or searching for something to read or to plug into. And when I'm not plugged in, I can be captivated by an inner dialogue of ideas, daydreams, imagined conversations, not to mention self-judgment, catalogs of regret, and other obsessive thoughts. And sometimes this is harmless um, or even beneficial. All this thinking has its place. Uh, but during difficult or uncertain times uh, like these that we're living through now or during times of family crisis or work stress, my churning active mind would try to fix problems for which there was really no solution um, other than just to let them unfold as they will. And this was hard. I could be anxious and reactive. I wanted to be in control and I was often consumed by racing frantic thoughts. I would feel it in my body, losing, see losing sleep, um, and my back going into spasm. And over the years, I tried different solutions, uh, some of them healthy, um, some of them self-destructive. But what's helped the most and what has stuck for me uh, is a simple practice of silence and presence. Every day, I do something called centering prayer, um, where I sit still and silent uh, for 20 to 30 minutes. And centering prayer is one of several meditation practices. And what they have in common is that you learn to let go of your thoughts. Um, you learn to stop judging your thoughts and you learn to stop telling yourself stories about them. And in time, you become aware that you are not your thoughts. And slowly but surely, the habits that you learn in silent prayer begin to seep into your life and you notice that your mind is a little bit less busy, um, a little bit less frantic. Now, I'm by no means perfect. Um, I still obsess and I plug in too much. But I think this practice has helped me to get out of my head and to be more grounded in my body. I'm more attentive to what's actually happening as opposed to what I imagine or I, what I fear. And I'm more present in my relationships and in my life. And it's this presence that is important. And for me, this is the true gift of a practice of silence. Now, centering prayer um, has its roots in medieval monasteries where monks and nuns would sit in silent prayer and simply open themselves up with what they called a naked intent to the presence of God. And these mothers and fathers of the mystical tradition, they taught us that God is everywhere in the world, that there's nothing that is not sacred, and that everything belongs, and that we are not alone. And I think everybody has glimpses of the holy in their life. Um, they have moments where they feel the midst of the divine in their midst. And the practice of silence allows me to be present to what is beyond the grasp of my mind. I am loved Let me And let
to nurture yourself? Um, means uh, to like practice self care, and like for me, that's like stuff like uh, when I get ready in the morning, I do my hair, my makeup, uh, I get dressed, I get into like nice outfits, um, and that's just how I, I don't know, like that's how I nurture myself. <laughs> What does it mean when you nurture others? Um, asking them questions about themselves. Um, I don't know, just helping other people out, I guess. What do you think that nurturing looks looks like at Hairfirst? <laughs> um, there's like a lot of the like community programs and um, like the community fridge and whatnot. Um, just helping the general community, I guess. I am loved. Let me baking because I've been doing it since before I can even really remember. Mostly what I remember is watching my mom and my grandma bake. And then as soon as I could, I started, I took home ec in school. I loved baking. I loved the smell. I loved the eating of the baking. I loved the sharing of the baking. And so it's it's been a love of mine forever. But for sourdough bread, that intrigued me about five years ago when I watched a series on Netflix called Cooked. And the um, creator of this series is Michael Pollan, and he does it into four parts. And the specific part that I was really captivated by was called air. And in that, I discovered that flour, water, and a bit of salt combined can turn into a delicious loaf of bread. And it turns out that Best they know, in ancient Egypt, a bowl of porridge was left out for a few days. And when it was discovered, it was starting to kind of bubble and ferment. And that was kind of the first starter. So I started my bread dough and bread starter and sourdough journey. And the first thing that I learned through my study was that you should name your starter. So my two grandmas are Gladys and Annie. And I loved both of them. Gladys was a baker. And Annie, I think she pretty much survived on tea and toast. So I was like, I've got to name it after them. So my starter, here she is. It's called Gladys Ann. And I talk to her and I love her and she bubbles. And when she bubbles and does what she's supposed to do, I get super excited. In fact, I think I pretty much developed a relationship with her. And over learning how to make the bread and taking the time, you really start to 
form a relationship with it. And I found out that bread is also the word for life, which kind of makes sense to me because really a loaf of bread is very sustaining. And it's also alive before you even bake it because the yeast is growing in there. And I found that super fascinating. And it's painstaking. And you can't rush the process. And I love that about it. It's become a rhythm in my life. It, you know, there's been different times over the last five years when, um, you know, I've been so excited to bake the bread and, and it's become the day of the week that I bake bread. Even my friends will say to me, Oh, isn't it bread day today? And, um, I love the feel of the bread. I love watching it change. I love when I smell it baking in the oven. I love, um, Oh, cracking into it and taking that first cut so I can open it up and see the bubbles and slather butter on it. Take a first bite. Um, I make two loaves a week and Kim and I, my husband and I, we pretty much just eat the one loaf and it's become, um, a habit of ours now, the two of us to figure out who are we going to give the second loaf to this week? So it not only feeds and nurtures us and nurtures me in the practice, I get a chance to hopefully nurture someone else by giving it to them. And um, the practice has changed along the way. Um, because I've done it for so long, um, my bread days have been marked by different times in my life. Like when COVID started and I was already in the practice and habit of making bread, I was able to mark my weeks and have that consistency and the joy of making bread. So for me, bread making is, I guess it's a bit of a spiritual practice and it does nurture me. And um, I'm really grateful that I've, I've found sourdough bread and I love the practice of making bread and um, getting to eat it and getting to share it. I am loved Let me
When I think of nurture, I think of care and comfort. I think of family, friends, community, and loved ones. I think of storytelling and story sharing, of Haitian elders, aunts, uncles, gathering little runs around the cup of Haitian hot chocolate, telling bedtime stories, assuring anxious little ones that everything will be okay. Despite hurricanes, floods, political instability, lack of access to education, and so much more, these little ones are being fed, nurtured by the older folks in their lives, filling their heads with optimism and dreams for the future. When I was a little girl growing up on the amazing islands of the Caribbean, I was nurtured in the most unconventional way. Hair care. I would sit on the laps of my aunties and older cousins as they would spend hours parting then soothing my scalp with homemade ointments to keep my curls moisturized, lush, and just perfect. As these older women parted intricate and elaborate patterns in my hair, which their grandmothers parted in their hair, which their grandmothers parted in their hair, they would turn my head to allow them better precision as they created art. Art that was once upon a time used as maps for escape routes during the Haitian Revolution. They would use the fine tooth of a comb to create patterns for braids, twists, and plaques that would then be decorated with colorful ribbons, bubbles, and barrettes. While their hands are careful with the patterns, their lips are even more careful with the words that they're speaking over me, over my future, over my life. You see, in my culture, hair is sacred. And so we are careful as to who touch our hair, but we are even more careful as to who speaks over us. So as I'm sitting there being nurtured spiritually and physically, I listen to the words being spoken over me. I listen to the stories I'm being told, but most importantly, I'm listening to the lessons I'm being taught about myself, my family, my community, about the lessons about generations of rice farmers and how they make it year after year, not knowing if the rain will come or if too much rain will come. Not knowing if they'll be able to sell all of their crops, but they're still hanging on. They're still looking forward. They're still planting grains of rice, still planting corn, hoping that the rain will come. Though not too much rain, but not too little rain either. That they may be able to sell their crops and send me off to school so that one day I will be able to send money back home to them or one day have them sit before me as I part their hair, grease their scalp, and braid their really curly gray hair into long braids or twists or plaques. And I'll give them kisses on their foreheads and ask them how they like the way I've done their hair. Their hands are now too feeble to braid their own hair. And so these older aunties and cousins of mine are being nurtured by me as they once nurtured me. And just like that, we keep it going. Me speaking words of longer days over them, of strength in their olden days, of smiles to greet their grandkids, and of lessons that they have learned and passed on. You see, nurturing is care. Nurturing is comfort. Nurturing is community. It's family. It's loved ones. Nurturing is a spiritual and physical. It's water and a hug. It's a smile and a good morning. It's a helping hand and a donation. Nurturing is being the best of us. I am seen. Let me see.
My first experience nurturing something. So I was in grade school and we were doing a project on the growth and development of baby chickens. So I watched them, their eggs in the incubator. I watched over them while they, while they grew inside. I watched them peck through the little eggshell into the big world with their little wet feathers. And soon they grew and became little fluffy yellow chicks. And, um, but that nurturing didn't stop in the classroom. I continued on. Um, nurturing in my own house with my personal chicken, much to my parents' um, dismay. And uh, eventually that chicken went to the farm, a physical farm, not the So that was my first memory of that. Um, I feel very nurtured because I have amazing, um, I have an amazing family. I'm very lucky. I have an amazing family, an amazing child who is so sweet. Um, one thing that I love that he does to nurture me is if I'm, you know, watching a movie or something like that, he'll come into the room and he'll kiss me on the forehead. And I think that is the sweetest thing that a child can do to a mom <laughs> because especially when they're teenagers, they don't like to cuddle um, or do, you know, show affection. Um, but I feel nurtured every day. I feel nurtured from my child. I feel nurtured from my family, my friends. I'm very lucky. I find that I'm a very lucky person and I do. And in my job, I'm, you know, I have a boss that's amazing and coworkers that are, that are incredible and I love working with them and I feel very just fulfilled every day. I used to be a newborn ICU nurse, so I worked in the hospital. So that was really easy, right? Really easy to nurture people because you have these little tiny babies and you would take care of them by changing their diaper and feeding them and um, turning them and handing them off to their mothers. And you you would nurture the families for, by, you know, listening to them and helping them because they'd be scared to hold their babies for the first time. Um, but now I have this job where I work from home and nurturing to me can be like a little bit harder. Um, but because of what our world is going through right now, we have a lot of ICU nurses that are going through a really rough time. So I think that part of my way of nurturing right now is to, when I speak to ICU nurses, I try, I say like, Hey, how's it going? And how are things in ICU? Um, <laughs> you know, so, um, I think that's my way of finding a way to nurture someone like from a distance, because I, I at least can still listen to them and hear what's going on and how they're feeling and how they're doing. Too, I learned that there's, that there's such an amazing feeling when you, when you, um, care and nurture someone that you get this, it's almost like a selfish thing on my part, I guess. Um, because you get this feeling, it's a really great feeling that to me signifies interconnectedness and, um, love between humans and humans and things and animals. And, um, so I, I get this feeling that honestly, sometimes I feel like it's in my heart. It feels like it's just going to like run over, like my cup runneth over. <laughs> and it does. It spills 
onto my hands, I always say, and I give that, I give that to people. That's what I give to people. And so, yeah, I think just those early days of nurturing chickens <laughs> got me to nurture people and become a nurse. I am loved. Let me Nurture, I guess, to me, means a sense of being loved and held um, and sharing that with other people, doing the same for them as is done to me. Because of COVID um, and other things, I don't always feel nurtured at this time. Uh, my granddaughter nurtures me, both of them do, but I don't see them as much as I'd like to. So it's, it's a hard question. Friends nurture me, but again, I'm, I'm separated from them for a lot of the time too. When I was a child, I was lucky to have parents who loved and nurtured me and we had a pretty strong family. But I went through a period of my life where um, I wasn't giving or accepting nurture from other people and chose to separate myself from the community um, partly due to issues with alcohol and other things, but um, that was a very difficult time. So as I got older, and especially when I started, when I was teaching and having my own children, that sense of love and nurture became really a, a large part of my life. I think that my ability to nurture others came um, partly with my acceptance of who I was. And also with that came an acceptance of who other people are. So rather than looking at people and judging them, instead I felt a great sense of empathy with others. And um, I really enjoy having real conversations with people. I like being real. And that's what nurture does. When you nurture people, you're able to break down those social barriers and able to open your heart to them and just see them for who they are and what they have to offer to the world. My belief is that that is what our church and, and our spirituality is about, is being part of the world, not separating yourself from the world, therefore not separating yourself from others. And that the true joy in life is relationship, love, and nurturing. That is caring for other people, not judging them, seeing them for who they are and appreciating that. I think the thing that you can do is just to open up, be loving. And what I do to accomplish nurture is I just say yes. When people ask me to do things, I almost always say yes, yes, I can do that. So enjoying people, not judging them, being kind, and 
One thing you can do this week is, is write a couple of notes to seniors who live in the community and who may feel separated from the community itself. Thank you so much, Jesse Peters, for offering that piece. On Monday evening in our Spiritual Nurture group, the last of this series, I asked the community what they thought of when I mentioned the word nurture. And someone responded, when I hear nurture, I think love in and love out. There's a verse in our ancient book of scripture that is known all around the world. It's become a part of common vernacular even. Some people know it as the golden rule, treat others as you wish to be treated. And we call it the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love in and love out. In nurturing ourselves, we are given the capacity to nurture others. And in nurturing others, we are given the courage to continue to nurture ourselves. So my prayer for you in this community this week is that you risk putting rain into practice in your life, even in the smallest of ways. And that in that final step, you love yourself as your neighbor. And I know well how hard you try to love your neighbor. So give that back to yourself this week. And honestly, these days, it is saying so much that we try to love our neighbor so well. So again, give that to yourself that kindness, that generosity, give that nurture to yourself. And I pray that you recognize the grace that we are taught in the stories of Jesus. I pray that you allow the love of God to surround you, that you investigate the ways that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, remembering that you are an image of the divine. Go with that promise of nurture. Peace be with you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.